This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to a new episode of The Low Show. I'm your host, Low Von Room. Okay, let me just start it off by saying I'm a little nervous for today's episode. Just have to get that off my chest. Feeling a little anxious. <sighs> okay. So I promised you guys since day one of The Low Show that I'm always going to keep it open and honest with you. Serve it straight. No chaser. Keep it 100. So that being said, today I'm talking about sexuality, growing up gay, bullying, losing my virginity, and coming out of the closet, or at least the idea of coming out. Now, I'm down to talk about everything and anything on this podcast, but for some reason, I was feeling a little apprehension with this episode, feeling a little nervous for the mere fact that I'm actually not openly gay with all members of my family. So I know my family listens to The Low Show. It's sweet that they support me, but if I told them, like, don't listen to this episode, I don't want you to hear a crazy story, they would respect that. It's an excuse, though. And I haven't avoided the conversation for fear that my family won't accept or love me. I mean, my family is everything to me. And they're actually the sweetest people. But I think it's more so I've decided to keep the whole sexuality part of my life private. And I'm more guarded when it comes to my sexuality with my family. But I think if I'm being honest, it's fear-based. I'm fearful of being judged. Especially if I know certain members of my family lean more conservative and have stronger views that aren't necessarily like pro-gay vibes, you know? And I never had a formal coming out moment with my family. And I, besides my mom, I mean, we're thick as thieves, besties for life sees, you know? But I assume my family would know or at least guess that I was, but it's, again, never been talked about. And I've been fine with that because I never want to be defined by my sexuality. Like, I don't want to be the gay one of the family or the gay cousin. I just wanted to avoid that. And I look at it like I have so much more to offer than just being gay. And I've seen that happen in so many families. It's actually, as I'm saying that out loud, it's not even a bad thing to be known as the gay one. Regardless, I wanted to avoid that at all costs. When you start talking about your sexuality or the time you lost your virginity and you realize it's going to be broadcasted to thousands of people in different countries, it's a scary thing. Well, at least for me, it is. And I tell myself I'm fearless and I don't care what people think. And I have that mindset, that fearless mindset. that has been my mantra is armor since I was a little kid. Because people were always trying to fuck with me, bully me when I was little too. Just recently, like a week ago, I was getting some crazy DMs from people calling me the worst things you could imagine because I posted something about Kamala Harris winning VP. Anyway, certain people use gay as an insult or as a weakness as a way to make you less of a man or less of a person. And they use gay in a negative way. Like, oh, that's so gay. I have friends of mine that have done that. And I know they don't really mean something bad by it. But there are others who who definitely do. If I really was that fearless, though, and didn't care what people think, I wouldn't have any reservation about sharing today's episode. I feel very vulnerable in sharing with you guys. But I also have to remember that staying vulnerable is a risk we all have to take if we want to experience connection. And I always repeat that to myself, that vulnerability equals connection and just stick to that. So speaking of connection, my guest today is one of my best friends, Elliot Knight. I can count on one hand the number of people that I feel completely safe and just that unconditional, non-judgmental love from. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to the episode I did with him about two weeks ago, Treat yourself, Queen, a little afternoon delight because he's a wonderful guest and he's someone who's taught me so much about living authentically. 
So I finished editing today's episode where I interview Elliot, and then I just started to feel anxious about it. And although I loved it, I thought maybe I should just shelf it till after the holidays. So I called Elliot because I was going to ask him if I could just re-record a new episode with him and trash this one that we did talking about sexuality. So he answered the phone and he talked to me for over an hour, talked me off the ledge, and he helped me get some perspective on things because I really wasn't feeling it. And he made me feel safe to be vulnerable and authentically myself. Also, another part of me was thinking that maybe I should just stay away from the whole sexuality topic right now because the holidays are coming up and I honestly just didn't want to have to deal with sitting at a table for Thanksgiving knowing that everyone there has heard about the time I lost my virginity as a teenager or my first anal experience with a guy. <laughs> like, I just didn't want that to be at the Thanksgiving table. I just wanted the focus to be turkey and stuffing, not anal. <laughs> so I'm realizing that. I'm 31 years old, and although I am very confident in who I am, and I've built an actual career on helping other people find their true confidence through style, and all that being said, I still have held on to some insecurities and some shame in being true to who I am. I realize that I am not about to live my life like that in 2021, and this episode covers love, sexuality celebrating differences. And of course, we're going to have a few laughs along the way. So without further ado, here's today's episode. Okay, little story. I came out when I was 16 to my mom, not because I felt like I've made a discovery, not because I've been struggling with anything. I hadn't. I just at that point had gone through enough interactions and experiences and like emotional journeys to just understand, like not understand that I'm attracted to who I'm attracted to, but just to understand that, oh, the world sets certain barriers and rules. And so I've never questioned who I am, but I realized that once I place myself in society, now there's all of these expected things for me to do. Like what? Like come out. Oh. Okay. Like, I'm not a straight cisgender male. So I now have to, it's my duty to now have to go around and inform everyone of my private and personal life and emotional life, which is no one's business. Yet I have to do that. Otherwise, I'm hiding something. I think if you understand who you are and you're comfortable in yourself, you don't owe anyone any explanation of who you are. Like, oh, you don't. I love that. And I didn't have a coming out story. I still don't have one. How do you feel about that? Amazing. Best if I have so. family members that are listening to this, they're like, oh, I mean, we kind of thought it, but like, I never had that like official, like, Aunt Maria, it's I'm gay like, I, and good. I what? just look at it like, well, in my reasoning behind it is my sexuality and who I like to share a bed with or what I'm attracted to is probably, I'd say 1% of my identity. Mm. Really, though, it's mm. like such a small component of my life. Yeah. That to me, it's kind of like there's so many other things that I want to share that are so much more important. And I don't feel suppressed in, in any way. I also, though, have the benefit of not having a household that I grew up in that fostered any sort of doubting who you are or mm. suppressing. It was pretty open house, accepting if I wanted to wear a dress. It wasn't like my dad was like, like, oh, my God, my son's going to be gay. Although maybe he thought that maybe I'm sure maybe that ran through his head. Right. But I, I never felt any sort of. I, I was always encouraged to be who I was. Mm. So I didn't have that. So I think if I had that stifling presence from a parent or 
I mean, I was which a on. lot of people have. I had a really tough childhood in the sense of I was picked on all the time. Why? Because you're amazing and they don't fucking get it. <laughs> Idiots. I wish. I, maybe at the time I didn't think that. Now right. I would love to believe that. <laughs> but I, I, I was bullied big time through school for, well, I always was called a faggot in school constantly by kids and i was like nine ten whatever years old mm. but i did all the things that like i guess a straight kid would do you know like i played the sports and stuff like that yeah but i just never really fit in with the kids for some reason mm. and i i remember like going to kindergarten and i had like a purse and i like a little hello kitty bag and my mom let me pick out this outfit i was so, <gasps> so excited cute. for my cool outfit my mom let me Whatever I want. She's like, yeah, wear it. You look great. Great, you know? mom. Well done. Yeah, I had like a silk blouse on. Oh, yes, you did. <laughs> Which now Harry Styles is rocking my kindergarten outfit and oh, he's getting right. praised I know. on the cover of Rolling Stone. I know. And good for him. And yeah, it's great. I did that in the, the 90s injustice. and I was called a faggot. <laughs> but anyway, I got ripped to shreds by the kids. They thought I was weird. I also, yeah, I, I never related to kids. I was an only child and I grew up around a lot of adults. And my connection with people came to this very day, although you're my peer, we're the same age, mm. and I feel very comfortable with you. But all my life, if you put me in a room of people my age, I'm a little uncomfortable. Throw me in a room of 55 and up, I'm flourishing. Oh That's my, my demographic. Same. Really? Are you kidding? Yes. Oh. I've never felt comfortable in my own like age group. I feel like I'm old. I'm 90 years old. It is three hours past my bedtime right now and I don't even know what time it is. It's just dark outside. That's how I know. I cannot. So if I feel like, if I'm with older people, I feel like I'm with my people. If I'm with like generation younger than me people, I feel like I'm a carer of those people. Yeah, so I feel an comfortable. Elder. Yes, exactly. Same. Like I'll play with you. Yeah. But most most of the time when I'm around people my age, I'm like, oh, I'm not on the same. Uh, get yeah. me out. I have to go to bed. Hair thinning impacts a lot of us. In fact, over half of us will experience hair thinning at some point in our lives. It's not only common, it's normal. Join over 1 million people who are doing something about it with Nutrafol. I've been recommending it to my friends and family. I take it. My mama, the queen, takes it. Queen, you love yeah. it. Oh, yeah. I recommend it to my hairstylist. I recommend it to my sister-in-law and even my niece. We range in age from like 22 to 67. They're loving it. Yeah, they are. It's a great Mother's Day gift. Oh, I love it. It's amazing. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code LOWLIFE. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com promo code lowlife. That's Nutrafol.com promo code lowlife. When did you get picked on when you were growing up? Yes. Bullied? Yes. Not a ton, but I did. Yeah. Were you called like any gay slurs or no, because I I don't think I I checked a lot of the boxes for people to target me in that way. Like, um, what did people say? By the way, oh, it's just visualize so people know what you look like. I should give a description. Me? Yeah. Oh, you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So biracial. That's if right. Mariah Carey had a baby. <laughs> Actually, you could be one of Mariah Carey's kids. Happily. She's a biracial queen. Happily. You're half white, half 
What's your wait? Your mom is from my mom is Jamaica. black. Her parents are from Jamaica. She's always she's English. She grew up in England. Okay, Jamaican yeah. and English. That's it. My dad's just white. Yeah, white as they Scottish. come. Scottish. He's like the whitest, but and I lo- I love them both to pieces. Couldn't be more different, and they're separated. So, so we're what the situation here is this delicious mocha frappuccino of a man. Oh. And it's a, yeah, a beautiful blend With of two worlds. Cream. Extra cream. <laughs> Vegan, please. Yes. Coconut whip. Yes, please. Uh, so that's what I'm looking at right now. Yeah. So this delicious man in front of me, uh, drink did, me didn't get bullied in school, which is great. Well, I, but I was thinking maybe it was the race thing because, you know, you had. Oh, listen, I, I, I can't remember right now particular like obvious words names or statements but across really minor, the board like, burned into my memory i remember <laughs> one i got death threat once which is yikes yeah and it's funny to think that on msn and it's funny to think i like laughed it off but most of the time i was fine i grew up like i played i played sport i love sports i love physical activity and so i played i was on all the sports teams I guess there wasn't a lot physically that made me an easy target for people to pick on. I was just pretty like... You're like an athletic kid. I was athletic for sure. And I... I, Yeah, so I don't know. I guess the way people who want to bully or who are naturally drawn to that kind of activity were not drawn to me as a target. But I would always see the divisions that would make me a target in society. Honestly, growing up being not white and being gay whenever i made that known information that always like prompted some people to feel like they had to make a comment i remember in school people would be like oh elliot didn't do whatever because he's gay now or something as a kid and everyone's laughing and i'm just like that doesn't even make any fucking sense you degenerate but (laughs) that's right did you always know you were attracted to men it's not that i knew it it wasn't like a conscious awareness i just was sure do you yeah, know what I mean? Like, so, yes. Of course. Yeah. I, my, my earliest memory. Mine's not the same. That's why I ask. What do you mean? I didn't know until much oh, later. Right. Yes. You told me this. You had like a, a journey and discovery. But here's the thing. Did you find that you were genuinely attracted to women in your case first? And then there was like uh, a questioning of that, a discovery. Did, did that shut down and something else opened up? Or did you realize that maybe... Maybe you were never genuinely attracted to some, you know, because I, I don't think that you're either completely straight or completely gay. Again, it's a swirling, a swirling yeah, sphere. I was on the spectrum. Yes. You were just in it, just having a great well, time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go deep? Sure. I always want you to. Yeah. Okay. I thought I knew I was attracted to the same, to men. Right. Probably in my teen years you know, early, like 13, 14, but I always thought, and you and I have talked about this in the past, but I always thought that maybe that was just like a phase because I also was attracted to women and I I think women are beautiful. I mean, i made a whole career out of obsessing over women. I style them, I clothe them. So when I was like figuring it out for myself, I think that I definitely saw myself like, like, oh, that guy's good looking, but it didn't go past that. And I, and I would block myself from thinking anything more than mm. like sexually because one, I'm an only child. And I think there's a little sense of, I, I don't think, I know there's a pressure that comes with what my parents have set out for me. I have, it's like carry the name. Yep. I also 
my parents have invested so much into me and wanting me to be successful. And I thought that there's no chance I'm gay. Like, even if I feel that, no. Why? Because they wouldn't have invested so much in you if you were? Mm. No. I know in my heart my parents would still love me regardless of my sexual orientation. I know they would still want to invest in me even as a kid. I'm not worried about that part of it. I think for me, it's knowing how much sacrifice, how much love, how much they believe in me, especially my mom. My mom really, really wanted me to be the best that I can possibly be. And I know she doesn't have like a set idea of what that means. She just wants me to flourish. She really uh, embraced me being who I was. But in my own mind and from the outside world of like what I'd been exposed to, for me, I wanted to go to school, work my ass off, you know, get a great job, marry a beautiful woman, have children, carry my family name, be able to give back to my community and just live a good life, you know, comfortably. That was kind of the like the American dream, if you will. (laughs) And I thought this can't be the case where this gay thing is going to hinder me from having my dream. It was hard for, I didn't want to let go of that. And especially if I want to get into like a world of business or politics or whatever it may be, I think now it's a lot easier, but you know, even just 10 years ago, coming out in a workplace is like a thing. People, I still hear people like, do you think he's gay? Do you think he's gay? Like people love to talk about someone's sexuality. Like it's a salacious, juicy detail. Like if there's a guy who is, you know, successful in a world of business, but he's gay, it like might change the perception of him. Or maybe he's not as strong as you thought he would be. Or I don't know, almost like it might be a a weakness. Maybe I viewed it more as a weakness and I didn't want that. And I didn't want to let my parents down, even though I know they wouldn't be let down. To me, it was letting them down because I put an insane amount of pressure on myself, an unhealthy amount of pressure on myself to make sure that I do them right, make them proud. My mom never said to me, I want you to prove me wrong. Like, I hope you're successful. Prove me wrong. My mom has always proved me right. I know what you're capable of. I know you're going to kill it in this world. Prove me right. Because I know you have what it takes. So that's kind of more the frame of reference. And it wasn't even a pressure on my parents from them. It was more so my own self. And there wasn't a lot of people at the time that I could look up to that were killing it in the world politically or, you know, business wise. And I thought I wanted to get into that world of business, finance, or perhaps politics because I felt like I was good at all of those things or was drawn to them. So why not, you know, run with that? But, you know couldn't involve hooking it up could not dudes. no 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 that was going to derail the narrative see that this, i had already set for myself that's why i think the conversation about coming out is so important right because i understand where you're coming from and i i, I think that it speaks to this idea that you know when you come, when you are not straight and you come out because you feel like you're supposed to that becomes your statement to the world that becomes your impact that becomes what identifies you as a person. And like mm-hmm. you said, when it's 1% of who you are, why should it be the overriding factor that sells you to everyone? Yeah, People who are straight in today's world in the past don't bear that burden, don't have this idea f- that they have to announce themselves and just give all of their personal information to other people just to be legitimate and to, um, to exist in a space. And I think the more that we continue to feed into that same pattern of behavior, that if you're not this one thing, you have to do things differently 
and there are a different set of rules for you, the longer that people will have that exact same experience that you just described. Yeah. There might be people listening right now who either know that they would be labeled as something that isn't straight or whatever the norm is that society likes to make it the easiest for and think that they can't achieve incredible things. A future president could be listening right now and could never make take make the choices Pete to go Buttigieg. down the path. <laughs> Are you listening, Pete Buttigieg? All the Pete's of the world. Oh, I love him. To feel like he's amazing. You can't achieve greatness that is fully within your potential. Not because you are a thing, but because of how society will make you feel and the hoops it will make you jump through is, if I may say so, fucking bullshit. And I do not endorse it. Yeah. And so for me, it's my little way of trying to like be an activist for that cause. And I'm not telling people to not come out. I'm saying don't feel like that has to be a part of your journey of legitimacy as a queer person if you are. And nothing that you are capable of achieving after that point or will go on to achieve is anything to do with whether you sit grandma down and tell her something about you that is literally nothing to do with your relationship with her. Right. You are the person you are, not the sexuality that you have labeled 100%. to hundred percent. I always get asked too, though, because I had a girlfriend and I've had sex with women before. Mm -hmm. And they're always like, did you picture a dude though? Oh God. <laughs> oh my God. You picture Brad Pitt. Yeah, dick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I have to say, though, I like I lost my virginity to a female, mm. but and I didn't picture a guy. I just I think at that age, I think I was like 16 or seven, 17. Mm. But at that age, everything gave me a boner. A gust of wind would give me a little boner bone. So, I mean, any, like anything got me excited. I was yeah. just horned up and just testosterone was flowing through me. And I think I also had like a big interest or fascination and I wanted to explore everything. So I'm like, I, I thoroughly enjoyed have losing my virginity to a female dream. I don't know if I'd go back down that tunnel. I'm good. Tunnel. I wanted to see what pathway you would choose and <laughs> tunnel feels appropriate. I'm going to pass on that. <laughs> But I don't regret it. And I, yeah. And you shouldn't. It's part of your experience and journey. And we love you. And so I wouldn't want to change anything that brought you Once here. I, okay. So once I had that intimacy moment and lost my virginity with a girl. But then when I actually experienced a dude, I was like, oh, I'm gay. Interesting. I was like, no, there's no going back from but this. But you weren't questioning it before. What led you to that, that? night or i don't know dawn with, or dusk than it may have been with uh with the guy oh like was there any questioning before that point yeah there okay. was okay and i always and i would make excuses for myself like like i'm just a creative i'm kind of like prince or lenny kravitz or <laughs> i don't know i'm trying to think of whoever's more of that asexual like doesn't really identify and i love that yeah i'm like david bowie over here that's what i looked at it like yeah i like just being a human and whatever I'm attracted to. And oh. if I end up being more attracted to a guy, that's just because I'm a creative person, which I've always been. Mm. And I'm kind of just feeding into that. Right. And if I want to stop that at any point, because I'm getting into politics or a career of business that doesn't necessarily support that lifestyle, mm. then I can shut that creative part off if I need to. And oh. I was ready to do that until I finally experienced oh, no. The galaxies of <laughs> <laughs> bliss and joy. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. And and that's when I was like, I, I can't not do this again. This is incredible. Oh, he was hooked. Yeah. And I was. <laughs> he was ready. I love this. I was. Can we have a whole episode about this? <laughs> anal? People want to know. <laughs> whole episode on anal. Yes. Yeah. Let's and do it. It I, doesn't exist. And I was. Yeah, I was hooked. And then I. And I felt such a connection and stuff. So then it kind of went from there. But yeah, then I realized uh, this is yeah I, whatever I had been suppressing. I didn't even realize I was suppressing it, mm. but I was. And then I kind of just went full throttle into. But I had, again, had experiences with female and stuff like that. And so. So another question for you about this. Mm. Once that moment happened and you, you know, tasted ambrosia. What happened? <laughs> That's like an English fruit salad, <laughs> isn't it? Ambrosia. My reference to ambrosia is Xena Warrior Princess. You oh, have to amazing. Thank God that you said that. Uh, that's what like they you eat to become a god and I remember Calypso did it in one episode yeah. and they had this massive I know exactly what, what you're talking about what a great show bring Xena back yeah so after you tasted the ambrosia salad and became a god how did that impact your life in terms of or did it at all your behaviors your activities the things you would do did you, I guess my question to you is a little coded but did you suddenly become super gay, gay. like Oh, yeah. Did you? No. What exactly? Okay. No, great. nothing changed except for an awakening that I had sexually. And I felt this incredible connection with someone mm. who happened to be the same sex. Mm. And it was mind blowing. And yeah, that was, but nothing behavioral. There are certain people that do come out or experience something uh, for the first time. Mm -hmm. And like their voice will change mm. or. I don't want to say like stereotypical, but there are things that are associated with like a little bit of a lisp, if you will. Like there's right, things right. that I don't, I still actually don't understand that, but like I'm down for it. Like if that's you, do you. Right. Um, or as soon as they do come out, they become extremely flamboyant, which I'm like, that's cool too. Well, I, I maybe because they've been like suppressing it so long. Maybe it's it feels a good, good point. to let it out. Another version is I, I went to drama school with a guy who was just so great and so lovely and wonderful, but we there was a conversation around this area, and he had said he leans into all of the stereotypes purely for the fact that it allows him a greater comfort of identity. Mm. He feels like it's it was easier for him to go through life as an easy-to-understand and easy-to-label gay person than it was to live the struggle of constantly being at odds with the way people would perceive you and stereotype you to your reality. And questioning and wondering all exactly. the time. Exactly. And Fair. having to correct people or feel like, well, I'm not that, but people think I'm this. And I know it can make you very anxious too if once you get labeled as something, labels literally exist to organize. There's no other reason. This is my this is my opinion as fact segment, which I feel like there'll be a lot of whenever we do this. <laughs> this is my opinion, but I, I believe it's fact. Tonight, you became the official co-host of the Low Show. <laughs> That's what's happening. Gave myself a segment. Yeah. Disgusting. We're behavior. moving on to the next segment of tonight's so show. No, please but no, do. I I do feel like labels exist only to organize. That's literally all that they do. Right. Right. A label exists so that someone can gain a quick understanding of what it is that you are so that you don't have to do the whole deep dive into every description plot point. The issue with that is you erase people's individuality and humanity when every time that you do that, some things might fit, some things don't. 
there are a lot of stereotypes of being gay that I don't feel like I fit. There are some that I do, but it doesn't mean that those characteristics that exist in me are what legitimize my sexuality. They're nothing to do with it. 100%. You can like musicals and not be gay. Guess what? They're nothing to do with each other. Jason Tardick. See, there you go. He, lo- I'm not not into. I love Chicago, but outside of a few, I'm not into a lot of musicals. Not my thing. I love a Disney movie, certain ones. So gay. Another Little Mermaid. That's not true. Like the animated classics. Anyway, blah blah blah. Snow White. As Hercules hit me with it every single day of my life. So gay. That's my song. Hercules on the road. Tune. Yeah. Hunchback. Anyway, sorry. I'm going off topic. <laughs> I got taken by the magic. That's my least favorite. You, what are you talking about? I can't. Why? The hunchback. Oh, it's because he's ugly, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> isn't it? That's the whole point of the movie, and you don't like him because he's unattractive. Makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do relate to Esmeralda, uh, obviously. Queen, little Demi Moore moment. Sure. Hun- Does she play Esmeralda? I believe so. Why not? It's Hollywood. Welcome. And yeah. if you want to talk more about it, she like listen Armenian to my podcast. It? Yeah. Oh, my God. No. Listen, Hunchback is one of the best Disney movies ever made. It has some of the best songs. I and you're wrong if you disagree. I strongly disagree. Come here very, very soon, and we're going to have a movie night and watch it. The Hunch. When we do dinner, like when we have dinner date, let's yeah. watch Hunchback, and I'll change your mind. I promise you. I don't think I've ever... Besides you spoken to someone and you say, what's your favorite Disney movie? Hunchback of Notre Dame. It is fantastic. <laughs> He's like in his tower, ringing the bell. That's it. And then he dies. No. He doesn't die at the end. No. Well, yeah, he gets like egged and tomatoed. Oh, they throw a bunch of shit at him. They do. And it's very sad and moving. I, yeah, I hated it. Okay. Made me sad. Did it end with him? What? Getting Esmeralda? I forget. It just ends happy. It's a Disney movie, but I'm not going to give you the entire journey. I want you to go on it with you, me. You like Hunchback more than uh, Little Mermaid? Absolutely. Are, Are you, you kidding? Out of your what happens in the Little mind? Mermaid? I'm very excited for the new adaptation that's happening, where finally there's some more black people in Disney. Oh yeah, they got cl- yeah. People are oh, up in arms about oh. that. How dare you make her black? Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. So Get over sad. it. Oh my god. Sorry, we're going to make a better movie. I know. <laughs> my opinion. Opinion is fact. Segment two. <laughs> No, it's uh, Chloe, right? Chloe, yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. Going to be a great... Yeah, they're both amazing. Incredible. Baby, uh, great Ariel. No, but I love Little Mermaid, and <sighs> it's so way better boring film and predictable. than Hunchback. I've never watched Cinderella. Oh, my God. Who's definitely the Disney princess, and I couldn't give a fuck. Sorry. Why? Because she's white? I don't know. <laughs> You'd think. No, I love Sleeping Beauty. And that's a great movie. Maleficent is the all-time oh, baddest Disney villain. Didn't, yeah, she's Incredible. amazing. I, I don't love the Angelina version. Not watch those. Not but the cartoon line. version's amazing. Yes. I'm, I'm original Disney. And, like, and then Monday You're in the Pixar. Disney vault. I'm the Disney vault? You're it. Pardon? Are you not familiar with Walt Disney's vault? Oh, of like the black he, cauldron and that kind of stuff? What? No, all of the oh. Disney classics are put in like the Disney vault. And there'd be a thing where they're opening the vault and they're going to release 
Pocasquantis or whatever. <laughs> They're going to fucking release it into the wild. And But they would open up the vault, release Pocahontas for like two, three months or something like oh, that. Oh, you mean back in the day when it was all DVDs and no streaming? Yeah, yeah. Right. Yes, I think I that's that. even, well, now it's you can get any movie now. Yes, but, it's all there. But back in the day, it was like, the vault has been opened. Yes. I was like, get the little Murray, get it, mom. Quick question. What was the first ever Disney animated movie? Get it right. Snow White. Oh, he knows. This of is why, course. This is why we're going to be married. Yeah. I'm so excited. Oh, did you know that? Oh, did you know this? Okay. Snow White. Yes. Her character, do you know what actress was the character base for the bone structure of Snow White? Walt Disney was obsessed with a certain actress, dirty old man. Yeah. And he decided to make Snow White in the image and likeness of a particular actress in Hollywood. No idea. Wow. Me. Survey says her name was Hedy Lamar. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited you didn't know it. Only because the, we can watch the documentary together. There's a do- I love it's called Bombshell. Oh, I love Bombshell. Bombshell. That's not what it's called. It Isn't is. Isn't that something else? Oh, I think you're thinking of the sexual harassment. That's it. Which was incredible. It's not that. Starring Margot Robbie. <laughs> yes. About uh, Roger Ailes molesting and harassing women in his office at Fox News. That's right. That was cool. So not that. I, I believe that was Bombshell. This is another, bo- I'm blonde, almost positive blonde. it's called Bombshell. Yeah, it is, because the three blonde women. No, 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 but the Hedy oh, Lamar no, no, story. I'm sorry. I've, okay, great. So this woman, Hedy Lamar, is absolutely beautiful. Huge, like, actress in the 1920s, 1930s, all the way up, I think, until the 50s. I think she died probably in the 60s. Okay. Her face was just everything. She was a stunning angel of a woman, Ugh. but also she was known for her beauty and men and women, everyone was obsessed with her. Right. There's an iconic scene from a film that she did where she comes in with this star crown. And this gorgeous gown and it's, oh my God, it just, I just got hard thinking about it. It is, <laughs> I see. It. I got a fashion boner because oh. it's such a beautiful moment for her. Anyway, she was also brilliant, brilliant, and she created. I don't want to say uh, the Nutribullet better Bluetooth oh. technology. No, she did. No, well, that's she not did. correct. Mm, she did. What is all this? Sorry, this that isn't I true. You can't do am... this now. You have people listen to you. Uh, you have influence. Uh, mm-hmm. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> she created Bluetooth. She invented Verizon no, Wireless. She didn't. Not okay, but she created technology that was instrumental in helping with bluetooth oh and i believe she she wrote it out and she was a brilliant mind she was extremely intelligent and she wrote out these things and these notes and she did all these experiments she came up with a bunch of different things but one of them so the bluetooth technology okay it it led to bluetooth technology it was the the last little piece that was needed to how we all have cell phones today you could thank this puta hedy lamar and uh, she ended up uh, sending it to the U.S. government. It's all in the documentary. And after she passed away, no, after she passed away, I believe, then it was implemented and they realized who it came from. And if she were to get the value of that specific patent today, it would have been worth billions of dollars. And she was also like a pioneer in the world of cosmetic surgery. She was known for her beauty. And unfortunately, because she was so beautiful, she wanted to maintain that because it was such an identity for her. Right. And she got these procedures done. And she was so smart and so innovative in the way she thought that she was one of the first 
people in the world to say, I want to fix my kneecaps because I have a little extra Her skin. kneecaps? Now it's a common procedure. No, it's not. I've had many clients get it done. You got wrinkly. What's done? Okay. <laughs> Wait, kneecap. It's 2020, Elliot. People if get their said, knees. What's the last I'm, place on someone's body you'd expect them to get? There's certain things. surgery. Your knees and your hands can show a particular age as you get older. Hands, sure, I get that. Knees too. They but can, who's looking at anyone's knee? I guess with with uh, the wearing, gendered world. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So right. anyway, she got that. She was one of the first women to get a facelift. Okay. That hadn't been done. I think she was the first, if if not one of the first, to suggest, I want to tighten, take skin out of my neck and make it tighter. She was, she's an icon. So you're telling me that Snow White was inspired by cosmetic surgery. Oh, okay. Well. Full circle. Connect sure. the dots. Yeah, basically. Dr. Nana 210. So wh- who were the dwarves? Were they people that he knew? Little plastic surgeons. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But something. Anyway, I don't even know how we got on that. Me but either. Yeah. I love it. But Hedy Lamar, It's okay. bombshell. It's on. I don't even know if it's on Netflix anymore, but it's a fascinating story. Okay. And I do know that they're making it into a beautiful film because I had three different clients all go out for the role of Hedy Lamar. <sighs> Did any of them get no, it? No, unfortunately. Well, unfortunate. Yeah, it's going to be such a good movie and I can't oh, wait well. for you to watch the documentary. Oh, and that's why I'm gay. That's tie all back to <laughs> Hedy Lamar. That's why I knew I was gay. All right, I want to talk a little bit about travel, Elliot, because you are quite the world traveler. There's so many places I want to experience with you. You'd be the best person to travel with, which I'm sure we're going to do. Uh, but there's one place in particular I'm dying to go to. I haven't been to Italy yet, but that's on my <gasps> bucket list. You must. I love Rome. Is my favorite I, I wanna place. Go, of like, I want to go to the Vatican so bad. I cried. I cried. I stepped Did foot you? inside uh, St. Peter's Basilica, and a tear dropped down my face. Just movie style. It was incredible. Just the beauty of it. The sheer. It's like a miracle. It's a miracle that humans conspired to create. A thing, and I'm not religious at all, but just the 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 feat of that structure is truly mind blowing. Like it's soul moving. Wow! So please go and bring I, me. No, it's it's on my bucket list. I'd love yes. to experience that with you. Uh, when we, I don't think we're allowed to even go to Italy at this no, point. Not right now, but the but day. I, I think it would hit me different just because I grew up super Catholic. And I love me the Catholic Church. I know there's molesting priests. I get it. Like I know there's a dark side of the Catholic Church. There's a dark side to us all balance. Still love it. Um, you get it. You get <laughs> you it. Get that Catholic Church. I support you. Whatever well, you Pope do. Francis just came out. He's like, we love the gays. He didn't say that. No, but he didn't say that. That's. I took it as that. That's like, so good for you. You can. <laughs> he was like, here, have your thing that's not marriage, but like the equivalent of it. I'll take it. Yeah, take it. No, absolutely, I, you get it. I. I, I just have a, a love for the Catholic Church because, one, again, growing up in it, but two, I love the smell of incense. I grew up as an altar boy. I was not oh, molested. Did? I did. Oh. I had eight years of altar boy serving. Wow. I, I was obsessed. At one point, I was like, I'm going to be a priest. And then I realized a life of celibacy and all oh, the priests I knew were. age priest. Mix it up. You could still. Have you ever married anyone? Not that that's what being a priest is, but have you? What? Will you, can you marry us if we get married? Or if not for my first marriage, will you marry us? Yeah. Okay, great. And then let that end. Yeah, then done. And then let's Mm -hmm. figure it out. I did serve as an altar boy at many weddings, but my favorite were the funerals. (laughs) 
I love me a good Catholic funeral. I'm sorry. Well, God, this sounds so dark. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so worried. I was the head altar boy. What does that mean, first of all? That I was iconic in (laughs) altar boy world. Great. I was the lead. I trained the altar servers. I was like the number one. Uh, altar server. So yes, he should be. And, and I, there's a lot of things like going into the sacristy and doing all of the different. I don't know what that means. <laughs> there's just a lot of things that come with being an altar server. You, just knowing all of the different steps, every, uh, weddings and uh, communions, and there's confirmations and reconciliations and all of that. And circumcision. <laughs> Wasn't part of that. Oh, cool. Uh, but there's a lot of different ceremonies, if you will, in the Catholic Church and knowing all the right steps. Also knowing your priest, what he likes. What he likes. <laughs> um, with the negative connotation with the priest, what he freaking likes in yeah. the sack. What's happening? No, no, what no. do you mean? Like bacon? Uh, no, there's certain uh, things that he likes in regards to the way he hosts a mass. So some priests like you to stand in a certain area or the way that you carry the the cross when you come in or uh-huh. helping with communion or okay. preparing the the body and blood of Christ whatever there's little things Wine like and cheese it's yeah basically oh. so um well every priest there's like a set thing for every priest to do a mass okay. but they all have their own little zhuzh to it if Love. you will and if you work as a an altar server you know oh father christopher likes this and you make sure you stand aloft to the side here and you help him with that or whatever and the, sorry, last interruption question. Yeah. So there are different priests like visiting. Are they like touring America and there's just different no, ones no. in the church? There's usually, uh, so we had two priests. Okay. We'd have visitors all the time. Okay. And when there was a visiting priest, let's say a monsignor, if you will, oh. which was like a level up from a priest. Whoa. Or if, if you were honored enough to have a cardinal. It's so funny. I'm not even, I don't even recognize myself as Catholic, but I'm still like, <laughs> really? Cardinal. <laughs> You are. I sound so Catholic Going right for now. It. Yeah. You, I know. I'm like freaked out right now. <laughs> I haven't talked about this shit in forever. That's like, I'm like a kid in a little Willy Wonka factory talking about this stuff. <laughs> the choice of what? Yes. But um, no. no, I loved it because when I, I'd get chosen because I was the most, I guess, obedient. And I just oh. made sure I killed my performance with all aspects of being an altar server. Of course. That being said, You'd get paid to do funerals. You'd get out of school. And the the grieving families would give generous tips. Happy families that were in bliss at weddings. Not the best tippers. The grieving family, though, I'll tell you what. You're about to... <laughs> <laughs> I can't You're even... I can't even finish. I can't. As I'm doing it, Elliot's like... This is the man I'm about to freaking marry, and I am horrified by him. What is happening? At a young age, I didn't really understand. Actually, I've always been fascinated by death, to be honest. Okay. And seeing how, Same. seeing how I'm terrified I am too, but not, I'm not anymore because seeing how they prepare for funerals and stuff, it was like, okay, we got John at 11, and then we got Kathy coming in at 12 30, and they'd plan these, but is it was Kathy the dead. Yeah, we're talking about the dead people. Oh, my God. But they, it's kind of like, all right, we have these in. Let's get some stats about them. Okay. And then they'd, they'd work it out. But it was it was literally a business. And I saw that at a very young... I was in seventh grade. I mean, I did it since I was a little kid. But but at 13 years old, seeing these priests kind of talk about how they're going to do the Mass and what they have to say. And they kind of always said sort of the same thing, but they kind of changed it up a little bit. 
And then it was customary for whoever was, I guess, the departed's next of kin, whoever was part of the church that was choosing to have it in that church, the funeral service. Okay. They would tip the altar boys. How much are we talking to? And how much were you paid? Well, you don't get paid. Well, no, you said you get paid for funerals. Well, you get paid in tips. Oh, in tips. Okay, so yeah. how much were the tips? How much were you, what's happening? I mean, if because I, I was working at a really, uh, in an affluent area. So I'd be getting, to me, that was a lot to get like a $100 tip. That is a lot. As a young kid, you get 100 bucks. And you're like 12? Yeah, and I'm carrying a cross and you do the incense. And it's just, and there, I loved, I think I loved the formality and the, I'm still obsessed with it to this day. The formality, the tradition, the stained glass, everything feels very elevated and so traditional. And it's just like, it feels like you're part of, I don't know, like a like a regime. Like it feels like it's, I don't know, it's like really powerful stuff. You feel like this is God here. I don't know. It, at that age, it's very intimidating. Yeah. Especially if it's a gorgeous cathedral that For you're working sure. in. It's it's a lot to take in. And then on top of so I'm taken out of school. And I'm thrown into this funeral or baptism or whatever. And then I'm getting paid to do it. And I'm seeing that these priests are just kind of going through the motions of however many people they had. It was wild to be part of it. It gave me a different perspective on death because I looked at it like uh, very. I was much more accepting and understanding that it happens a lot. There's a lot of people that are dying. And right. I'm, I have this I have at least four funerals every other Thursday. <laughs> so it's like you start becoming it's kind of like working at a mortuary to an extent. It really makes you. Did you see a lot of um, yes uh, cadavers? Yeah. Okay. I did a lot of open caskets. Does that has that had any effect? Does that like make you fine with that? Like, if you saw a dead body right now, would you just be like, "Oh, used to it"? Probably. Okay, so it doesn't freak you out. It does not freak me out. Okay, unless it was a loved one of mine. Oh, was fair. Yeah, yeah. and I'm realizing I that so. I don't want. I just know from seeing how that whole process. Uh huh. I. Don't want to be embalmed. Are we burning you up? Burn it. Oh, me too. Let's Burn do it. Burn it and put me in a delicious Plant vegan chili. <laughs> Wait. Eat it up. Is that a thing? No. It is for me. But it you. could be. Yes. Imagine if you Get were made protein. into... Do you know what you should do? What? We should burn you up and grind you into a spice. Gorgeous. Then you can sit in the cupboard in your little <laughs> spot and then all your favorite meals Spicy. just sprinkle a little low on it. I would do that every meal. That's what I want. I'm putting it in my will. Oh, please. Yeah. I will commit. Like a, it'd be like a cake. It, it had kicked. Yeah. To what it. would you be? What spice would it'd you be? It'd definitely be a mix between like cinnamon, but like Cajun flavor. Oh. Yeah. Maybe and be a little, little gold flakes in it. Little, but no one added gold flakes. And they're like, how did this come in? It's like, it's just long. Yeah. When you cremate them, gold Oof. came out. That's what would happen oh my God. i don't even know how the hell did we get into the catholic church i don't know you'd started you had a flashback <laughs> i loved it did you grow up religious not in any way i mean i went to catholic schools you did yeah did but you have all your just sacraments all the schools are catholic just like all humans are straight oh, I until you the say UK that you're not very catholic it's very something uh, yeah. isn't the royal family catholic sure they are i don't know oh Roman Catholic. I, I spend my time with other things. <laughs> but don't but, I have nothing again. Listen, I think religion is I th I think I think the general principle that religion exists to encourage ethical behavior in society sure. is great. But I also grew up like in Birmingham, which is a ton of different communities and cultures and here it feels like you're either Christian or Muslim or Jewish and nothing else exists, but it's actually didn't grow up around many Jewish people at all. So I know next to nothing about it, but 
some of my best friends are Sikh. I went to school with mainly uh, people who are Muslim, a couple of people who are Hindu, uh, a lot of Christian, but Christian just felt like the white version of religion. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was just like the the bland. There's nothing interesting about it because everyone already, it's the standard fabric of how we all operate anyway. Um, because why not? But uh, no, there was a lot of diversity of religion around me growing up. And then I, I, I took philosophy and ethics in school, which I loved. And so there was a lot of learning about the different gods. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was amazing. So I, I, find, I find mythology fascinating. I'm not religious myself in any way. I'm more, I'm more spiritual, but even that has connotations of like a life that I don't live. Sure. I do not believe that humans are the be-all and end-all of all existence, and I don't believe that we're the biggest and most important thing in time. Aliens. Well, do you believe I, in them? Of course. Well, I, I think it's illogical to not believe that there is something that's not us that exists. Are you kidding? We don't even know <laughs> what exists. This, no is, this was great. I think this is going to do a lot for a lot of people. Hey, this is my favorite conversation I think I've ever had. Really? Yes. You and I always have amazing conversations. We do though. Whenever we like hang out and see each other and get like some quality time, we really like unearth the entire universe. Elliot, thank you for being the best guest. No, thank you for I'm again, I'm so proud of you. This is my new favorite podcast. And I listen to 25. They're all news. But this is my is the nice only thing I would listen to that's not news. Wow. I'm proud of you. I love you. I love you, know you this. too. And thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Low Show. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned a little something, something. And I got to give a special shout out to one of my listeners, Emily in Vancouver. This queen slid into my DMs and she was like, hey, Low, we need a cool name for The Low Show listeners. What do you got? I had nothing to give. I was fresh out of ideas. And she came up with a great one. She said, why don't you call the low show listeners the low lifers? Um, Emily, I'm obsessed, queen. So thank you to the low lifers for the five star ratings and the comments. It helps so much. I appreciate each and every five star rating and comment. I'm learning how this whole thing works. But according to my producers and Apple podcasts, the more comments and uh, five stars you get, the better. Uh, for your show, and it keeps this shit show afloat. And I'm loving doing these episodes for you. So thank you again for doing that and taking the time. I appreciate it. Mucho. Next week, I got Jason Tardick coming in hot. We're doing round two with Jason. Question and answer round. I've gotten hundreds of questions so far. We're asking questions about any anything and everything. Dating, sex, love, marriage, finance, business, whatever your question may be, Jason's going to answer it here on the pod. So send in more questions if you have them. Until then, holidays are coming up. We got the weekend coming in strong. So put on your little sweatpants, put on a mask, and don't forget to drink your water, putas, because I know you're thirsty. All right, low lifers, I love you, and I'm out. We keep it moving, yeah, we do.